Lone Star 187 is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case File 10, Don Allen. Hello. Hello. Welcome to our 10th episode. We're in the double digits, yo. This is awesome. We really, really are having a good time with this. So thanks to everyone for listening and sharing and liking. We, we appreciate it. So this story, crazy one, is out of Clyde, Texas. No, Clyde America. My bad. Clyde America. This little town is about 15 miles from Abilene. And in 2010, the population was 3,713. And I-20, Interstate 20 passes right through it. And we have a lot of family that lives there. We go there pretty much at least twice a year. And I spent pretty much every summer of my life there. Yeah, and there's a cult there, too. There is a pretty creepy cult yeah. there. Yeah, the last time we were there, which was, um, uh, we went to go oh, for Uncle Troy's. Yeah, it was the February. Yeah. Middle of February. We drove down and checked out this cult. It was crazy. So, Google it, people. It's a real thing. It's scary cool. But it's a just an average small Texas town that, mm-hmm. you know, football is life. Yep. I know whenever Jessica was in cheerleading and that was the whole town would shut down just to go to the game. So it's just a, average, a Friday night light situation. Very much so. Yes. Yeah. Everybody knows everyone. And so on August 31st, 2015, a 911 call comes into the Clyde dispatch from a woman who was crying hysterically. Evidently, she came home from work to find her fiance face down on the floor in the master bedroom. His hands were tied behind his back and his ankles were tied together and he was naked from the waist down. So what would be your first instinct? Like there's no blood, right? Mm-hmm. There's no blood. You walk in and your significant other is tied up, dead, and naked from the waist down. I would wonder who the hell came in and took my shit and messed with my husband or my, my boyfriend, right? I'm auto- automatically going to think the worst thing. Like somebody came in and did this to him. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, uh, unfortunately, with what happens to women, we would obviously know that they were raped for some reason. But when it's a man, you kind of wonder, why are they naked, you know? Well, just because they're naked doesn't mean they weren't raped as well. No, but, I mean, it's just it's a men, little harder. Men can be raped. It's a little bit harder for a man to be raped than it is a woman, right? Because there's some mechanical things there that have to be worked out for men. Women can just be raped, regardless. You're saying men can't? No, I'm saying they can, but mechanically, things have to be working, right? Right. <laughs> Nature says that if you touch it, it gets bad. <laughs> or if, you know, take your shirt off, I'm pretty sure it's just going to work because that's how guys are built. Even if you have no want to do that with that person, it's just going to react? Yeah. That's the way it works. You touch a penis, it goes to work. <laughs> it's like it's got a button. It moved. Oh, my God, it moved. <laughs> What's going wrong? What's going on with me? So who is the person laying on the floor? person that's laying on the floor happens to be Don Allen and he happens to be a police officer. He he lived in Clyde, but he was a 
Abilene police officer. He's 27. He had two brothers and a sister. He had just proposed to his fiance in June. Everybody on the police force described him as being a very jovial guy who served his city very proudly. He was a rookie on the force and recently transferred from Cisco, where he had served for several years after graduating high school in 2006. And at this point, they believe the cause of death to be strangulation. There is no possible motive. They really don't have a clue what's going on. So all they know is that he was killed by strangulation. That seems to be the cause of death. Yeah, because he had cords around his hands and his ankles and a pair of underwear around his neck. Underwear? Yeah. Like, like his own like, underwear? No, like boxer shorts. Like they'd put that around him. His un- give away too much. His underwear? I'm, I, don't, I don't know if they were the pair he had on. It never says. But they were a pair of boxer shorts around his neck. And I remember seeing the pictures and it's like charging cables. Right? Yes, like look, phone, yeah, like your iPod or Android charging cables, yeah. Around his ankles his... and his wrist. So his wrists were tied together like this. I know you guys out there can't see me, but they're like this. And then his ankles are tied together, which is why he's face down because, you know, he can't really stand up. Now, was the cords around his um, neck too or just the underwear? No, just the uh, boxer shorts. So September 1st of 2015... Five hours after a press briefing, the police revealed they were looking for two people of interest who were seen leaving the area of the crime scene in a late 1990s maroon car. They announced the arrest of Philip and Violetta Walter. Uh-oh. So these two people, I guess, fit the description of the people in the car. And Chief Standridge stated, We are confident we have taken the right people into custody. We do not believe there are any other suspects. So I wonder who this mystery couple is. Well, it's important to note right there that the reason why the police officers are letting the public know, hey, we don't believe there are any others is because this... As we said, it's a small town, and now everybody's freaking out. Like, is there a killer on the loose? Like, what's going on? You know. So Philip and Violet Walter are 29 and 30. They are high school sweethearts. They got married in 2006. So yes. They've been married now for nine years. They have three children, and they live in Abilene. The couple had stumbled upon some financial hard times. They moved in together shortly after high school, and they both started going to ACU studying criminal justice, so they had regular bills that normal married couples with children accrue, but now they also had college debt that they Mm -hmm. had to work out. So they were both working, trying to make ends meet, and one of them, I believe, had lost their job. I I think she did because he ended up quitting school. So that he could work several part-time jobs to pay the rent and everything. And so she, she was still going to school while he quit and was working multiple jobs. And then eventually she quit too. And then the amount of daycare we know is expensive. So they were trying to find ways to make money. So these two are the prime suspects in the case. Mm-hmm. And they are arrested and they are held in jail with a bond of $500,000 each. There were several police briefings during the time of the murder them finding don allen's body so one of the the like the second one that they had they were saying that they were looking for two persons of interest because they saw two people in a 1990s maroon car leaving don allen's house so they released this to the media hey we're looking for people that drive a maroon car then they announced that they arrested philip 
and Violetta Walter. The chief of police commented that we are confident we have taken the right people into custody. We do not believe that there are any other suspects. And I think it's important to mention here that I'm sure the entire neighborhood was pretty freaked out by this. I mean, this is a small town. This is a whole thing you hear. Well, you never think that would happen in your neighborhood, right? It's a small town. Everybody knows everybody. And this police officer was found murdered in his home, bound and gagged. And, you know, who knows what kind of rumors are flying around about what happened to him. Well, and during this time, um, one month prior to this, four or five Dallas police officers were killed in Dallas in front of El Centro College. Yep. And so policemen were kind of the target for violence Mm -hmm. during this time. So I'm sure it was even scarier because a big city like Dallas, something like that happens. It's like, yeah, you know, it happens in big cities. But like you said, in a small town, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit scarier. And then for the policemen to have to ask the community, can you help us find out who this car is, scares the community more. Because, you know, like we said everyone knows everyone so if someone doesn't know whose car that belongs to everyone's scared like who's in this town right also the fact that he was a police officer in Abilene maybe the people in Clyde were also like well shit like are they targeting Abilene are there people from Abilene coming in here to attack us like what's going on like they Mm -hmm. they people were just really confused So the way that they connected Philip to this crime scene, when they went into the crime scene, there were water bottles on the floor up against the couch, not like on a coffee table or whatever. So they kind of looked like they didn't belong there. So the police grabbed them and processed them. And one of them had Philip's fingerprint on it. Busted. Not to mention the couple had been texting and emailing Dawn the day of and a couple of days prior to that. What would they be talking to a policeman about? I wonder talk about that in a few minutes. So family and friends are clearly in shock. They're saying this isn't the Philip and Violet that they knew. They would never do such a thing. But then other friends admitted that the couple were on a downward spiral and that many of their friends and family had started to shy away from them. They were kind of, they were in a bad situation. One friend was quoted as saying they weren't in the best place in their lives or into the best things or best kinds of people. There was also, in just a span of a week, there were three cops killed. Don Allen was one of them. The other one was a deputy in Texas that was gunned down while he was pumping gas. Another cop in Illinois was shot and killed while he was on routine patrol. So the cops are on high alert. The community is on high alert. Everybody's freaking out. So in answer to your question about why would they be communicating with Officer Don Allen, investigators believe that an online personal ad posted on Craigslist by Don Allen led to the meeting and that's why the couple and the guy were talking. So basically... What was he selling on Craigslist that they'd want to buy? He wasn't selling anything. Oh, maybe he was selling something himself. (laughs) But he's engaged, right? He's engaged, yes, but clearly he has this whole other... He's got this other thing going on the side that his fiance doesn't know about. So he's an engaged man who is putting an ad out for a sexual encounter with a couple. It's very vague. Everything I read, it doesn't talk about the ad verbatim, but basically it was an ad in the risque section of Craigslist seeking sex saying that he was wanting a sexual encounter and that he kind of liked risky sex. That's really all they said. So it was kind of like a toe in the water. I think so. Maybe he was afraid to talk to his fiance about it in the risk that maybe she wouldn't be into it and it would ruin their relationship? Maybe. I mean, he had just proposed to her. They didn't live together. He lived in Clyde. He was an officer in Abilene. I'm not sure where she lived. I don't know. I know in the documentary, the reason why she was so surprised about the lifestyle lifestyle was that 
number one, he was a cop, so he, they had somewhat opposite schedules, but she didn't live with him yet. So she didn't know, like she was coming over to make dinner, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when she got there from work with groceries, obviously she was surprised at what she saw, but she... Even then, she didn't know the extent of mm-hmm. the circumstances, right? right. You, you don't automatically think, oh my God, he put an ad on his Craigslist and... <laughs> You he think, was trying to be, do something. Why did they kinky? take his pants off, right? Yeah. I mean, they killed him. Why did they have to take his pants off? You know. Yeah. So, so in November of 2015, so they're basically indicted for strangling this cop, and at this point, they're charging them with first degree felony murder. Were there any other charges at this time? At this time, that's that's it. Just the strangulation death of the cop. 2016 rolls around. You don't hear a whole lot. But then in August of 2016, which at that point, it's one year since the murder, They uh, there's an article in the paper about most of the stuff that I found was from Big Country News and Abilene Reporter News. So there was they posted a little article in there to remember Officer Don Allen. So... This is from Police Chief Stan Stanridge. Today, Police Chaplain Beth Reeves and I visited the Allen family. One year ago today, their son was killed by criminal homicide, and as parents and siblings, the Allen family struggles to understand this senseless act of violence. They appreciate the community's loving response to their family, and they are very appreciative of their police family. They do not grieve alone. In Officer Don Allen's short career, he served many citizens and saved the life of a 16-year-old child today we remember him and especially his loving family so i did a little research on 16 year old child so the story behind that is there is a girl i think her name was macy mercer if i remember correctly she was in a really bad car accident he arrived on scene and she was dead so he started performing cpr brought her back to life and then the ambulance came and and so she's alive today because of him oh that's so i think her family that gave me chills yeah so he saved her and he he stayed with her until the ambulance came so and i found an article later on where she you know her family is thanking his family for you know what their son did for her daughter that if it weren't for him she wouldn't she wouldn't have survived thought that was cool so now the juicy details of the trial During the trial, Jim Allen, who was Don's father, when it was his turn to testify, he held up a portrait of his son looking at the Walters saying, I will never forgive you for the devastation you have put on our family. He also thanked law enforcement agencies and the Walters defense attorneys for their roles in the process. We live for law and order. Everybody here plays a part of it. I live for law and order SVU. You You know what? I wouldn't have... (laughs) So I totally get him. (laughs) You know, but... I would not have been able to be so like politically no. correct. I mean, I would, I would. I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been thinking the people that were there. I would have been like, "You son of a bitch." Yeah, listen here, motherfucker. Exactly. <laughs> you want to know how I feel? I will tell you how I feel about what happened to mm-hmm. my fiance. So good on him for taking the high road and not being a complete asshole to them. But I wouldn't have done that. So a little background on Philip. His nickname was Jay for jackass. Yeah, probably. His family says he was. A sweet spirit with a big heart. And according to his Aunt Shelley, who was testifying, she pointed out some similarities between him and her own son. So they had asked her if there were any signs that Philip could be on drugs. And she was like, a hole in his face couldn't indicate methamphetamine use. So I guess this is when they were talking about the downward spiral. Her son had been addicted to drugs. So she had seen what that road looked like. And Philip was on the same path. Because I do remember in the documentary them saying that he was abusing drugs. She his started. wife started and then 
they were at that point it wasn't even about survival it was about feeding their drug habit yep Mm -hmm. she said she learned all the signs from her son who was addicted to meth but that her son turned his life around in recent years and she said that her three children loved philip they were never afraid of him he was always really good to them philip would have had a support system if he had been released from prison the da asked he may actually be our salty person but he said if philip has a support system why didn't he reach out to them i mean true it's a good question when da shane deal presents his testimony even if all they were trying to do was knock him out rob him and leave if they left him in a state that he could not get out or he was not safe if he died in the process of trying to get free then they are responsible for murder even if that wasn't their intention because they left him incapacitated like they tied him up knew he was tied up and even if they didn't intend to kill him they didn't check to see if he could get himself free before they bailed and the ad on craigslist did not discuss any kind of bondage or choking so that didn't mesh right it's not what he was requesting he it wasn't in his ad If they try and say that that was what he wanted, it did not validate in the ad that that's what he was asking for. He also talked about the markings on Don Allen's body. He had bruising on his genitalia and bruises on his lower back. The DA stating that with what he found on the body was not consistent with wild and crazy sex. Normally when he finds someone like that, they'll have carpet burns or scratches. But this did not go with that. The way the DA has looked at the evidence and sees that this has played out, the Walters responded to the ad. They went over to Don Allen's home. They drank some water, hung out, and someone brought up some type of subject of bondage. And there was a belt that was brought to the house that didn't belong to Allen or his fiance. Mm-hmm. And at some point, the three of them went to the bedroom for what Alan believed would be a sexual encounter. Alan wouldn't have been alarmed at being tied up at the wrist or ankles with a pair of sleeping shorts around his head, blinding him because he thought it would be part of a sexual encounter. So he let them do what they want. He wasn't questioning it because he thought this was just part of what they wanted to do to get him to to climb. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's another moist That's word. moist word. So no, can, those are moist words. So like they, feces is a moist word. Oh. Yeah. So they could get the job done for him, ultimately. So he was... Something that he'd never obviously done before. Oh, who knows? Maybe he had. Maybe... I don't know if this was his first ad. That's not mentioned. So... He said one of the Walters must have struck Alan in the genitals before Philip put his knee on Alan's back and pulled tight on the belt to choke him. The belt was pulled until it was broken, and he said he wasn't sure if that is what killed Alan or if Philip then put Alan in a chokehold to finish asphyxiating him. He pointed to Philip's DNA that was found on Alan's neck as evidence. So Violet's mother and father, Helen and Carlos Lopez, testified. They stated that Philip and Violet had a very toxic relationship. Soon after Violet met Philip, she changed. Her parents also said that Violet hadn't been in any trouble, had never been arrested, but that she did isolate herself from her family while she and Philip had their financial difficulties. So we're hearing this from pretty much everybody in their family. They told Violet to leave Philip and continue her education. Her mom is quoted as telling her it's going to get worse. And then 
then here we are. She said every time Violet was around, Philip was with her. So they were like inseparable. Some of the things her mom said in court, yes, she had some wrongdoing, but was it murder like they claim it was? No, it was something that went wrong. So basically she's really, really pissed off because she's saying that during this whole ordeal, nobody is mentioning the fact that Don Allen was the one that started this whole thing. He's the one that posted the ad and he's the one that allowed them to come to his house. I don't agree with that, but that's what she's saying. She's also pissed off that they kept all of his personal business out of the courtroom. She said anything that would have helped my daughter get a lesser charge, they hid it. They didn't want to expose his other life that he was leading and that's what this is all about. She said, I'm going to think about it and I'm going to pray to my God, but I won't give up and I'm not going to shut up because that's not me. And she also mentioned Alan's cell phone just seemingly disappeared. I do find that interesting, but they did say that there was communication between Philip and Violet and Don Allen, and they talk about the text messages and the emails back and forth, but they don't say what Alan said back to them. They just talk about what Philip and Violet say, I guess because they're the murderers, right? But it doesn't really matter what he said. It, I'm sure True. he didn't say, come to my house and strangle me, well, then I think rob me what, and leave me for dead. Well, there's that. But I think the mother is just, you know, I mean, I, her daughter. What if, what if that was his fantasy? To be murdered? <laughs> no, to be tied up, strangled, and robbed. That could have been his fantasy. But that doesn't mean you leave him for dead. No, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. If her daughter felt like it was okay to do that to someone, then there's something wrong with her. So defense attorneys Ken Leggett and Jeff Probst called upon a lot of friends and family members of the Walters to give a peek into their lives before they were arrested. And a common theme that was heard from Violet's friends is that she was a strong person who cared about her children and wanted to help people improve themselves. She taught Zumba classes and volunteered at the YMCA in Abilene. That doesn't mean she's not a murderer. Uh, agreed. And then the DA asked her friends if they were familiar with the goings on in her life during August of 2015 and the months before. Few of them said they would visit her frequently. They also asked about her drug use. One said Violet may have been using marijuana, but definitely not methamphetamine. The defense is also also very strongly arguing that his death was a consensual sexual act gone wrong and that ultimately his death was the result of accidental erotic asphyxiation. The defense claims the Walters left a lot of valuable items at Officer Allen's home, which is unusual if their intent was to rob him. They did leave a lot of stuff behind, but they did take some shit too. So because they didn't take enough stuff, they don't feel like... Yeah didn't go to rob him because they left all the expensive stuff. Holy shit, this guy's fucking dead. <laughs> get his laptop, let's get the fuck out of here. Exactly. <laughs> well, and like, oh, they left this giant 60-inch TV in his living room. Do you think they had time in their little 1990 maroon car mm -hmm. to put a 60-inch, you know, like, and you how know, can you determine if they're druggies, obviously, mm -hmm. and they just need to make some quick cash, they're going to get whatever they can grab and skedaddle. They're not going to waste their time looking what? Skedaddle. skedaddle. I did, did. skedaddle. Sk well, and the other thing, too, is like we've said, this is a small town, and there is a documentary about this, too. And in the documentary, they show that the whenever the Walters arrive at Don Allen's house, they don't, like, pull in the driveway like normal people. They just park their car somewhat in the middle of the street and go in and they're in there for what i think the guy said 45 minutes then they run to the car and haul ass well that's obvious as shit mm -hmm. you know if you pull in the driveway make it look a little less obvious people aren't going to be as what the hell's going on 
So like a neighbor comes out and sees this car parked in the middle of the road and thinking, what's going on over there? And so because of that, he's watching. So he sees them come out. He knows what they look like. They're in a hurry. They jump in the car and, and bail. So skedaddle. I'm sorry. They skedaddled on out of there. They skedaddled out of Clyde, America. Some of the things that they stole, do you, what do you think they stole? I'm sorry. Did you just say yeah, stole? Did I say stole or stole? Stole. Some stole. of the shit they stole. God dang it, I can't talk. I hope you put that Why on the did I agree reel? to be on a podcast if I can't even freaking talk? You can talk, you just talk like this sometimes. It's because I'm reading about Clyde. I can't help it. <laughs> she said confidently, she's like, some of the things they stole. <laughs> All right, I said stole. Y'all know, I know he's going to leave that in there too. You guess what they stole. <laughs> I would guess money. Okay. And you would guess wrong. Small. Here's what they mm-hmm. took. Here's what they done took. They took his police gear. Because that won't determine who it belongs yeah. to. They took his badge. They took his gun. They took his taser. And then some jewelry. All things that can be tracked back to the cop. Probably not the jewelry, but definitely the other stuff. And the idiots went to a pawn shop. And so they're caught on surveillance video at the pawn shop trying to sell the stolen shit. Then they deserve everything coming to them. They wanted to get, get the money quick, quick, quick. The Texas Ranger, Danny Crawford, testified that four people in total responded to the ad, but that Violet was the only person that Officer Allen replied to. I guess they're trying to prove that he wasn't trying to set up sex with just anybody. So then they made the jurors look at photos and video of the scene of the murder, which showed his dead body, partially clothed, bound at the hands and feet. Some of the Abilene police officers took the stand to confirm that his badge was found inside the Walters' home, and the Walters were in the process of moving when they were contacted and arrested. I wonder where they were moving to. I remember seeing that in the documentary that the policeman gets out and there's a moving truck. He's yeah. like, where are you guys going? They're loading up a truck. And I why think it said it was... trying to skedaddle? Where are y'all skedaddling to? And, and it was would... an apartment complex on Clack Street. We know, oh, we know where that man. is. South Clack. Why would they keep his badge? I, I don't you know. know. Um, meth. Why didn't they turn that in at the pawn shop too? I'm sure the pawn shop didn't want it. It was an officer's badge. They don't want that kind of liability. So dumb. I know it. Drug addicts are dumb. So the medical examiner takes the stand, and she was also the one who performed the autopsy. She reported that the cords were still wrapped around his hands and ankles and neck, and she confirmed that he was asphyxiated to death and that enough force was used to fracture his neck. So he had a fractured neck. So that backs the story that he like put the belt there and pulled back really hard until the belt broke because that would be like... Also, she could not say that his death was not a result of a consensual sex act gone wrong. She found no signs of struggle on his body and it did not appear that he tried to struggle his way out of the courts. But I mean, if he's that tied up... Well, what what that means is that he... When they tied him up, he wasn't trying to get away. He, again, thought that everything was just going to be a sexual thing and then they were going to let him go. So I guess they tied him up. He couldn't really fight if they wrap something around his neck and he's coming back and they pulled him back. How can he fight? But, but that's what I'm saying. Like she says there's no signs of struggle, but how could there be? Yeah, exactly. No. I mean, that doesn't really seem like a Immediately fair... Immediately takes your breath away. You can't yeah. breathe I mean, at that 
belt is around your neck. And even if, let's say, they choked him and he passed out and then woke up and he's struggling to get free, if he's not struggling for very long to leave any marks, it's not going to show it. So I don't really think that's a fair statement. Yeah. Okay. So there was a lot of talk about the texting and the emails. So the couple were texting each other about plans to commit a robbery. This was earlier in the day. They talked more about their financial situation. Violet kept telling Philip in a text, find a way to fix it on the morning of the officer's death. She also sent Philip a violent text message that said, you better do this or you'll lose your family and kids. You pussy, grow some balls. Damn. So there's definitely premeditation of a robbery already and they haven't even responded to the ad. The couple then discusses going to Clyde around 3 p.m. They refer to that Clyde lick. (laughs) The lick is waiting. That's slang for robbery. I didn't know that. I just learned that. Yeah. Did you know that? I didn't know that. News to me. So text messages around 530, which would have been after the murder. I could not get that sold and leave you with the electrifying one. I'm not sure I know what that means. I'm sure she's probably talking about the taser. Probably. Yep. Because they're too dumb to know what a taser is. I'm going to leave you with the electric one, Mom. <laughs> Whatever that electric thing called, I don't know. And at one point, hours before they began talking about going to Clyde, Violet sent Philip a text that said, choke him. The defense argued that this text message is out of context and it's unclear which him to which Violet was referring. So they objected, but that objection was overruled. Please tell me who else <laughs> she could possibly well, be telling it, him to choke. Well, And it doesn't really matter who she's talking about at this point. She said choke him earlier in the day in a text. And then later on goes to somebody's house who was choked. So... And breaks his fucking neck. Yeah, exactly. So I don't care. I'm going to believe they were talking about him because... Absolutely. That's way too coincidental otherwise. So even if they showed me a text message that it was about somebody else, the words were already there and in your brain. Maybe it's a subliminal thing. I don't know. And then again, the context of the text messages are unclear, but authorities were able to verify that the messages were sent between Violet's and Philip's phones on the day of the murder. So regardless of context... Or any of that, this was all shit that was said between the two of them on the day that they found Don Allen. So basically they are sentenced to 40 years, 40 years for murder, 20 years each for robbery, and 10 years for theft of a firearm to be served concurrently. So them bitches are going to jail for a long, long time. But they only got 40 years for murder? That's kind of disheartening. It is disheartening. I agree. I mean, they went premeditated or not they went in did whatever with him broke his neck and then took his shit took some piddly stuff like i bet the stuff that they stole wasn't even a thousand dollars so they talked about the jewelry that they stole motherfucker (laughs) i guess i just always say stole why haven't you said anything you people let me say stole all the time and you only call me out when i'm on a freaking podcast She rolled through it like like nothing, and then she realized, like, I just said stole. (laughs) The bracelet that they took from the officer's house belonged to his fiancée. So I guess they found that in the pawn shop, and she was able to confirm that that belonged to her. At the end of October 2016, they have a resentencing on the theft of the firearm charge. So instead of 10 years each for the stolen firearm... They change it to two because, well, 
because it was mistakenly filed as a third-degree felony, but the crime committed was a state felony, which only allows for a two-year max sentence. Come on, Clyde, get your shit together. But the theft of the farm was the only charge that was affected by the resentencing. They still got the 40 and the 20. I mean, still. So it said that Philip and Violet will be eligible for parole after 20 years of time served. That is some bullshit. 20 years. And then you look at the case we just went, we just had last week where this poor 17 year old, right, is executed after Mm -hmm. 10 years who was innocent. He was totally innocent. And you have these two assholes that went into a man's home, a policeman, no doubt, because we love law enforcement. We do. They go into a home they use him for his desires then they kill him to steal a shit he trusted them he was a policeman and i'm and i'm sure he went on craigslist because obviously he has a fiance that isn't into what he's into so he's got to fill that need somewhere yeah and he thought he was just gonna have fun and who knows that may have been the only time he ever did it yeah, I don't know. And never talked about that to that Violet's mom's point. Like, all their business was out there. They're the ones that committed the murder. I get that. But I think they kept his personal stuff to the bare minimum that they needed to tell in order to get the conviction, right? But also to preserve his life. You know, I mean, he was a police officer. Mm-hmm. So we need to respect mm-hmm. him as that. That doesn't mean you get to... I mean, everybody has their personal things, but right? Even, even right? If but even if just because... The, scales, the lady holding the scales is blind, so they need to yep. have those facts out there. But even if he had had 30 sexual encounters, that doesn't change what happened. It doesn't mean he deserves to be killed. No. All, all that means is that he frequented Craigslist. Okay? That doesn't... If it would change the outcome here, meaning that he... Maybe he asked for drug addicts to be the ones to come see him. He sent a text message about, break my fucking neck, bro. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you like... Pull that belt harder. I don't feel it yet. Like, yeah. if he put it in the, in the Craigslist ad, like, I want to be, like you said earlier, to be robbed or strangled or tied up and be, you know, set up set up to be set up in a way where my life could be at risk. The safe word is pineapple. It's always pineapple. (laughs) Then I could see why it would need to be out there. But if he just had a bunch of hookups in the past, at this point, all that does is hurts his fiance. Well, but at the same time, it doesn't help them or hurt them. But at the same time, I mean, if all of their shit's going to be out there, I don't. I think his shit, his shit to be, should be out there too. But the only I mean, shit what that's it, out there on theirs explains who they are. Him, him having multiple sexual partners just makes him a cheater, which we already know he is because cheating on his fiance. Yeah, it doesn't make him like whether they did drugs for ten years or five years, they're still drug addicts. Whether he had ten sexual encounters or just this one, he was still a cheater and he lied to his fiance. It doesn't make the situation any worse or better. It would be different if he was into sadistic stuff and they were hiding it. Yes, that would be bad because that would show that they wasn't premeditated. It may have been an accident and then they freaked out. Yeah, they weren't. I don't think they were hiding it, but I I do believe that there are probably things that they kept out to protect him. Mm -hmm. And I I don't agree with that. Whether you're a cop or whatever. I mean, I understand your point of view. I disagree. I think he put himself in that position and I mean, I'm not trying to knock him. He made his decision decisions and his lifestyle is his lifestyle but how long did he think he was going to be able to keep that up if he was just engaged like you're not going to be able to keep that lifestyle going if you've got getting ready if you're engaged to be married you're what you're going to get busted because in the documentary they it's not mentioned in any of the articles but in the documentary they show that he's got a giant drawer full of like all kinds of dildos and all kinds of stuff so I don't know I think you should always protect the victim no matter no matter what profession you're in but they're they're the victim those two people are not victims that's true I mean he's the victim I agree with that I don't think that 
I think the only time that you need to bring up someone's past or sensitive information is if it benefits helping put the bad people away or show the bad character of the victim if the victim is also wrong. And in this situation... If it's relevant. It, yeah, like if, it, yeah, if, if it, if it, I don't think it is because like I said, but you don't know you what even, we don't know, but like if you hear it, then you might think it's relevant. But what I'm saying is that if there's stuff in there that says that he wanted to be raped or sodomized or pegged or whatever he wanted, <laughs> if it says he wanted that. That only just says he wanted that sexual fantasy. But if he says in there, I want to be tied up and I want you to choke me, all that does is give them a lesser charge of premeditation. That I agree with. But what I'm saying is that if all they find in the history is that he liked weird sex, or maybe this was the first time, who knows, but if he had previous encounters that was just with random people, then because of the juicy details, maybe of what he said, that just hurts the family and that hurts that it just hurts the family and makes the victim look bad, but it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help the prosecution team because it just, it makes the victim look worse. It doesn't really help the defense because it's not saying that he's, because he's so sexual, this is why it happened to him. So I just don't think that bringing up all that stuff is relevant unless it shows it was not premeditated. I think if there's something in the case, if there's something there, it's not up to the officers to determine whether it's relevant or not. I think you have to bring all the facts forward and both sides bring all the facts and you use them as you need to use them. And if it's not relevant, you leave it out. But you don't withhold the well, facts because who are, who are they to decide what actually is going to help and what isn't? Well, I'm sure that the entire text message conversation was brought before the judge because yes, all of the evidence sure. has to go before the judge. But I'm sure that in reviewing that, if the judge felt it was relevant, he wouldn't have thrown it out. That's true. So that's why I'm saying I feel like whatever was there just made him look bad. It, yeah. I think it just it was that's like... True. I think it just made him look bad as a man, as soon to be married man, as a policeman... A Bible and, Belt resident. Uh, yeah, and, and that's pretty... I think all of that is just that's made him... true. I think it just made him look bad. I don't think that there's anything in there that would have made the sentence worse or lessened the sentence. Or would have justified what It would have just diminished his character. Okay, so the last thing is January of 2017. There were documents filed in the Court of Appeals that show Violet has hired a new attorney and is working to appeal her conviction. The documents say that Walter will show that the grand jury disregarded substantial and compelling evidence from the state medical examiner that the death of Don Allen was an accident. Even though they said on the stand that the neck was fractured yep. and it was not an accident. Right. So I wonder what paper she read. But there is no date that's set for that. Well, I hope the she appeal, doesn't. Appeal, but oh. that was two years ago. I hope she doesn't get a date. Rest in peace, Don Allen. Thanks, Pebbles, for the story idea. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening. Case File 10. Don Allen. Closed.